On this episode, we discuss breaking news from Yuba County. In Yuba County? What is it? Breaking news in Yuba County? Breaking news in Yuba County. <laughs> I'm glad that we nailed it in the first try, by the way. That's perfect. <laughs> what a perfect intro. <laughs> 100% flawless victory. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey there. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. That's my name. Sorry. That's just it. <laughs> not going to change okay. it. So not you don't need to mouth, apologize for that, Elliot. Your mouth says sorry. Your face says you don't actually care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a sorry, not sorry. An SNS. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what do you think we would have been mad at about your name? Mm-hmm. I mean, at this question, point, at you. this point, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for pushback. No matter what happens. There was the first, there were all the Ellie Kalen name boosters. Then there was the backlash. Then there was the backlash to mm-hmm. the backlash. The people were like, actually, it's a really good name. And the people were like, uh, despite this revisionist history, it's still a bad name. All the think pieces, all the tweets. I'm mm-hmm. just over it. You know, it's my name's Ellie Kalen here to say, my name's Elliot Kalen in a major way. That's just the, that's all I've got about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seems like a kind of a yeah. lazy. Sounds lyric, like an epitaph but... to me. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that's what it says uh, what on my doing tombstone. This podcast here, on my tombstone it says, "My name's Elliot Kalen. I'm here to say my name's Elliot Kalen in a major way." 1981 to question mark because they don't know when I died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you pre-bought it like Nicolas Cage in his pyramid tomb. Yeah, it's just cheaper that way. And then you know, eventually you hope to yeah. raise the money to carve the the other year on there. I mean, aren't most <laughs> periods? <laughs> Aren't most like pyramid tombs pre-bought though? Like, don't the weren't the pharaohs like, yeah, start building that That's shit. True. I know I'm not dead yet, but I'm gonna die at <laughs> they some didn't point. Wait around. They weren't like, like yeah. Fair <laughs> point. By the time the pyramid was done, it's like, ugh, bury this rotting pile. <laughs> Nobody's like, yeah. Hatshepsut just died. We got to get this pyramid done yesterday. Like, chop chop. Let's uh-huh. do it. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a movie podcast. This by is the a way. podcast where yep. we talk about the scheduling and construction of pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's a flop that flop house tip number one you're gonna want to pre-buy uh-huh. you don't just want to wait till the last minute mm-hmm. the, your deathbed no. to start shopping for those pyramids because you're talking about design structural architecture price Let, don't try to do it yourself at home every people have tried yeah. so uh-huh. many times you've seen on the, that whole reddit that's that's about pyramid <laughs> fails where people tried to build their own egyptian yep, tomb yep. and it just yeah. doesn't work yeah, yeah. don't need to spring for the undercoating yeah, on the that un- well unfortunately dan that. they put that in the factory Oh, and what? when you're lying on your deathbed, <laughs> yeah. you want to spend your time focusing on stuff like what, like, cool last words you're going to have, mm-hmm. who you're going to snub mm-hmm. in your last words, all that stuff. <laughs> no, this is a podcast about bad movies uh-huh. uh, where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Yep. And in this case, we watched a movie called, let's see if I can remember again, Breaking News in Yuba County. Yeah. Here's a peek behind the um, curtain. Uh, Dan got the title wrong when we first started recording the episode. So that's why Dan's a little trepidatious about it now, but I think he's going to do just fine. Dan? <laughs> well, how, could I, his feet. how could I mess up a catchy title like Breaking News in Yuba County? <laughs> how would I ever well, what get I love about it is it tells you everything you need to know about the movie. Yeah. Now, this yeah. is... An, uh, LA, you- Yep. You're our uh, you're our geography nut on the podcast. Uh, is Yuba County a real place Yuba or County, is it a made up place? 
it is a real place in California. Now, the movie seems mm. to take place in in Kentucky, possibly. So I'm not sure exact. So I don't know if the Yuba County of the film is a real place, but there is a real place called Yuba mm. County. Okay. Well, at least Wikipedia says it's yeah. taking place in Kentucky. I don't actually remember anything in the movie that made that clear at all. Uh, yeah. But there is a real Yuba County. Now, people may recognize this type of title as a, kind of a things to do in Denver when you're dead type of thing, where it's like yep. kind of like a deliberately kind of longish puckish title that kind of winks at the audience like, uh-oh, what what kind of news is breaking in Yuba County? Mm-hmm. And the movie is in a lot of ways kind of a throwback to that era of 90s uh, violent comedies that had yeah, overlong yeah. titles. Like eight heads in it. This is your eight heads in a duffel bag for 21st century. Finally, my kids have yep, their eight heads you. in a duffel thank bag. Yep. It's that. It's also kind of like a... Um, an attempt, a bad attempt at like a Coen Brothers movie like yes. a Fargo yes. or a Burn After Reading. Yep. It also, so. you know, it evokes like like Elmer Leonard or Carl Hyacin novels to mm, some degree. Literary. But, but, yeah. but, but better, but, but worse. Yeah. I mean, you said better. better. Put it on the papers <laughs> or better than Elmore Leonard and Carl Hyacin rapes Dan McCoy. Little little bit of Jackie Brown in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's that, that sort of thing. It, but, it feels a little bit like a uh, a filmed version of a celebrity Twitch stream of the game Fiasco, <laughs> which okay. I don't know if you'll... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rave Stuart um, okay. Wellington, put it on the poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. slap it on there. Uh, make sure to put my picture on there, too, though, if you're going to use my <laughs> words. That's how they usually do it, yeah, yeah, and your signature, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you're going to want to slap uh-huh. it, bonk it, twist it, bomp it, and, uh, and throw it, yeah. Yeah, you got to do all that. If you don't do all that... That, then you won't get you won't get my quote. So uh, yeah, that's the rule. It's all in that's your quote contract, dude. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's let's just jump into this thing. Uh, okay, of course, like a lot of movies here at the Flop House, it opens with what seems to be never-ending production logos. Mm-hmm. As soon as one ends, another begins. To the point where at some point you're like. Is the movie started? Is did I miss something? I don't know what's going on. And now there's so. there's one particularly interesting production logo on here though. Among the other ones, like Nine Stories is on there, which is which is Jake Gyllenhaal's company. Uh, mm. But one of the production logos is The Blacklist, and that's right. This movie mm. was produced in part by The Blacklist, the organization that collects the the best unmade scripts in Hollywood and makes a and list makes of them. And makes the worst And makes the worst movies. Because here's how many, yeah. here's some other Blacklist movies we've done in this podcast. Red Riding Hood, <laughs> Seven Pounds, ATM, Abduction, All About Steve, That Awkward Moment, Gangster Squad, a.k.a. that hat-headed <laughs> head uh, hand herders, uh, Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> yeah. Vampire Hunter, I believe, number 23, possibly. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's a lot of, some good movies are made off of Blacklist scripts, but a lot are not. And this one was actually produced by those by that organization, which is surprising. Yeah. What surprising that they decided to start getting in on the content creation game themselves? I think or? surprising that they started to get in and that this was the script they decided to go yeah. with. And you know, movies change as they're made, but maybe maybe the folks behind the blacklist are like, you know what, this script is written so well, you know, it'd be impossible to mess yeah. up. This I do the think that movie. there's something about blacklist movies where it's like the reason they got put on this list is their flashy scripts, which oh. does not necessarily translate to like a good script. Like I feel like maybe the reason they are often unproduced is the people in charge of making movies look at them and be like, oh, well, this reads well on the page, but it wouldn't work as a movie. And then like it gets attention, mm-hmm. you know, once it gets that this is my theory. What makes it what makes a good script, Dan? Is it font? <laughs> well, it should be. 
probably be a, a courier new. I think that's the standard. Ooh, not the old courier. A, courier. Oh. Get some new courier in there. <laughs> I will say also, yeah, it, yeah, is a, the game. it is such a ballsy slap in the face to screenwriters to name the list you want your script on, uh, name, to name it after the screenwriters who were thrown in jail or had their careers taken from them because they would not call out communists in front of Congress. So it's a real uh, or were accused of communism. Is that what that fucking James Spader show's all about? That's exactly what it's about. <laughs> yeah. James Spader, it's weird to make a show where James Spader is the hero and he's locking screenwriters in jail for being communists. And at the end of everybody, at the end of every episode, he throws them in jail and he goes, take that commie, you're on the blacklist. And then the title comes up, blacklist. <laughs> so it's just ballsy to I be like- I guess that must be why it's so popular. Unless unless the, the people yeah. at, the, at the American Blacklist Council were like, people that look- the, the HUAC hearings and everything, it gave blacklists a bad name, a black mark, if you will. Let's change the mm-hmm. way people think about blacklists by making it something that you want to be on. So we'll make it a screenwriting thing. We'll make it a yeah. James Spader show. Uh, this, There's no yeah. telling. James Spader in a hat. <laughs> Look, we, you've seen James Spader, but have you seen him in a hat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was known for having that beautiful haircut, and now they're like, let's change, let's change it up. Let's give <laughs> yeah. him a hat. <laughs> it's like when— Does it work? And it's like, hell yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, it's you can like still get it. okay. when um, when uh, Quigley down under shaved his mustache, and everyone was like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. But they learned to love exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, some justice for Quigley down under. Okay, so <laughs> uh, we are introduced to the hero of this movie, uh, Sue, played by Allison Janney. She's at a grocery store and she's listening to affirmation tapes and buying herself a birthday cake. Which, of course, the uh, the cake makers get her name wrong instead of Sue. They write suck uh, <laughs> and. Uh, seem very uh, unwilling to change it, which is like, that's crazy. That's super easy, it which of course s- she shows us later. It's very easy. Yeah, it would take so little effort on their part to to get it right, you know. Yeah, she's just like, uh, you know, she's like a buttoned up, like suburban housewife type, mm-hmm. right? In fact, her name is Sue uh, Buttons. Yeah, Sue Buttons, thank you. And uh, we're introduced to her husband, played by Matthew Modine, her husband, Carl, who is having some phone sex with his mistress, which you all know the first rules on your wife's birthday. You don't spend time with the mistress, right, Dan? Uh, I mean, I guess Dan says he doesn't agree that, with that rule. Dan okay. is trepidatious. He, he may spend time with his mistress on his wife's birthday. We, no, we'll that's not have to what find I meant. Yeah, you don't want to foreclose all your options, I guess, Dan. Be flexible. Everyone yeah. knows birthday is for the wife, Saturday is for the goomba. That's how it works. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Mm. Now, uh, a TV in the background informs us that there is a missing girl, Emma Rose, and uh, she seems to be the focus of all of the entertainment news, uh, specifically one entertainment talk show host, uh, Gloria Michaels, played by Juliette Lewis, uh, who is uh, interviewing the parents of this missing girl. And you're like, how is this going to tie in? Uh, don't worry, it will. <laughs> uh, Sue, Sue works at a call center. Uh, a call center where they are mean to her and forget her birthday. Um, and then, guess what? We got even more characters here because this movie is filled with actors. Not I know every movie's filled with actors, but these are ones whose names you recognize. Well, not Secret Honor. That's we just go got to one a... actor in it. Oh, okay. Thank you, Elliot. Yeah, Thanks so for, not all movies are filled with actors. Some are just one. Some, some are just <laughs> Philip Baker Hall. So, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. that was great. Actually, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, so we, we go to uh, a store... Uh, where we meet Pete, played by Jimmy Simpson, who is the brother of Carl, which is strange because they look almost nothing alike. Yeah. Uh, but th- they're probably very similar in age, right, Elliot? There's a roughly 15-year difference between the two of them, between Jimmy That's Simpson possibly. and Matthew Rodane. He's, he's like the primary McPoyle on, 
on Always Sunny, right? Yeah, and he was on uh, the first season of uh, of uh, Westworld. Yeah. yeah, I'm wrong. There's a 16 uh, That was his difference. star turn. Yeah, yeah, that um, was his breakout. Jimmy when he Simpson. Was, he was. He was no. He, now he's a leading man. Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. J- Jimmy Simpson plays Pete, and he works for Rita, who is played by Wanda Sykes. Who I got to tell you. Made me laugh a bunch of times in this movie. She is the funniest person. It's not just because she was wearing these awesome. She's wearing this very funny wig and jorts the whole time, and it's great. <laughs> and she's always pulling out a pistol, and she seems very up. For, she like yes, her character yes ands everything in the movie. It's great. Um, okay, so we find out that Pete is a ex con who's trying to reform, but it becomes kind of hard because some of his former criminal contacts played by Aquafina and Clifton Collins Jr. show up and try and hustle him down, shake him down for some money or get him to... We find out that he's mixed up in a money laundering scheme with his brother Carl, once again, Matthew Modine, who works at a bank. Okay, I think I think this is all making yeah. sense. Yeah, this is, you know, Cracker Jack clockwork plotting. But, oh, yeah, clockwork uh, orange gonna... plotting. Now, I wanted to mention, <laughs> this is how stuffed with movie stars this in is that I it's... That's Ellen Barkin, right? As Wanda Sykes' wife. Oh yeah, wife. yeah, yeah. Ellen Barkin's this in it too. Yeah. Very small part that does not need an Ellen Barkin to pull it off, but Ellen Barkin is doing it. Like there's just there's this thing has. Yeah. When you think about how hard it is to get certain movies attached to celebrities, uh, this one it's almost like you, they just walked by a celebrity and the celebrity was pulled towards it like a metal filing towards a magnet. Couldn't resist the gravitational pull of breaking <laughs> yes, news yeah. in Yuba County. <laughs> Uh, With a title like that, I gotta know what it's about. <laughs> What's the breaking news? Look, I'm only halfway through the title. I saw breaking news in, and I'm telling you I'm in. I'll finish the title later, and I'll finish the script. Maybe never. I'm in the movie. Take it. <laughs> okay, Ms. Barkin. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, great. Uh, so uh, Aquafina and Clifton Collins Jr. are like shaking down Jimmy Simpson at his place of work, and uh, we're introduced to the first of many very lazy stunts. <laughs> Feels like they did not hire any kind of stunt coordinator or uh, choreographer because, like, they're just like, yeah, just fucking do whatever you like, do what you think's right, because it always feels it feels very strange. Um, Wanda Sykes has some funny bits with her gun. Wanda Sykes really wants to, to an, be a criminal, right? She really wants to live a criminal yeah, life. Yeah, that's her deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's pretty funny. And it's pretty <laughs> funny. funny. She's the one who has the strongest, yeah, clearest I mean, game. She's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it seems like that is why she has hired Jimmy Simpson almost. that Like she knows he's an ex-con and she's like, if I got this guy around sooner or later, he's going to yeah, help it's, me. <laughs> it's, it's, that's pretty great. Yeah, that's a good read. Um, so we, uh, we then go to the bank where uh, Aquafina and Clifton Collins Jr. are trying to meet up with uh, Carl. Uh, sorry, I'm going to keep accidentally calling them by their names or their actor names the whole time. I'm sorry if you're trying to follow this. They bump into another guy who works at the bank who is played by the guy who played Piz from Veronica Mars. <laughs> and played Bash uh, on Glow. On Glow, yeah. Well, I, you know, that's... Uh, I, I feel like I like him more on Glow than... Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone hates him on Veronica Mars, but whatever. Um, so Carl is reluctant. Uh, he is reluctant, but he is still washing the criminal's money, which is, what, $3 million? It's um, literally a bag with $3 million in cash that's very neatly stacked, and they're like, launder this mm-hmm. by tomorrow. And I don't know how money laundering works, but it feels like it takes – it's not like you put it in a machine and it comes out as different money. Like you got to do – it has to go through different things to be laundered, right? Yeah. Like you, like re- re- yeah, like an IP. A, yeah, you just got to – just watch order. Ozark, dude. It tells you how to do it. You throw some golf balls in a, in a dryer and throw the <laughs> – bill. it's easy. Um, wait, okay, I'm intrigued so, about – wait, how do the golf balls uh, in the dryer help? Well, because it like fucks up the bills a little bit. Oh, it makes so them it all crumbly. More, uh, okay. 
Oh. Yeah. And then you get to pretend you can crawl into the dryer and be like, I'm on the money tunnel on a game show. Hey, and you're just grabbing at all the bills. <laughs> ow, golf ball. Yeah, it's ow, ow. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like how in To Live and Die in L.A. That, to make the counterfeit bills look real, they throw a bunch of poker chips in the uh, dryer. Right. Okay, don't worry about it. Um, so meanwhile, Sue, very dejected because everyone forgot her birthday, decides – I'm going to make a reservation at the fanciest restaurant in town, and I'm going to tell my husband he has to take me out because it's my fucking birthday. So she goes to his work only to see him leave with some flowers, and she's like, ooh, who are these flowers for? I'm going to follow him. So she follows him to a local motel, and she interrupts him, of course, with uh, she is uh, hoping to be surprised by the flowers that he's planning some surprise for, but instead catches him with his mistress, and he immediately has a heart attack and dies. Uh, his mistress is played by Bridget Everett, who is very game, uh, and she kicks uh, the mistress out and then spends the day sitting in a hotel room watching TV with a rotting corpse. Yeah, I got I mean, like, <laughs> the, this is an unpleasant comedic scene because it does appear to, like, the movie wants to make a joke of the fact that his mistress, like, is a larger woman and has her, like, giant boob out in... Mm-hmm. In like half of it out of her bra, or one, one of her breasts one out of, of her yeah. bra, <laughs> like, yeah, like half yeah. of her and, half well, of her just, set of breasts is is bare. They yeah, they didn't. Yeah, exactly. The pair, one of them, and I just <laughs> it's an unpleasant scene on behalf of the movie because it like it really does. I feel like. I don't know. It just wants to make a joke of this woman in this scene. Oh no! And later, uh, and yes. later no, when that character yeah, yeah, yeah. when that character shows up again, one of the, another character goes like, "She is fine." And the the movie seems to want you to think it's hilarious. Yeah, that that a that a, yeah. a large woman would be sexually desirable to somebody. It's it's a gross. Yeah, it's gross. <sighs> I mean, I think well, I think she's pretty great. Um, okay, she the does fine with the now, role. It's, it's not a pro- that problem's not I know, with her. She's great. Yeah. So. Uh, the weirdest thing for me in this scene is that, uh, while she, we, while we see Alice and Janie, like sneaking around the outside of the hotel, we see a bunch of people like grilling out in the little park next to the motel. And, uh, it's, they expressly say it's like a Tuesday afternoon. Like who's <laughs> grilling out on a Tuesday well, and this also points in, like, out next to a parking lot that like she, this, this parking lot, it's this, this field next to it, not even the field, the like grass next to this hotel it's like nobody seems to notice her burying a body there, and it seems like it is a very heavily populated area. And she doesn't even go to. Ho- yeah. it's, yes. it's the whole the whole, later on in the movie. There's more. There's another scene at this motel that we'll get to, and I was like, how is nobody seeing this? Intervening, like calling the police. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's well lit, like very uh, visible. Yep. Now, a lot of sight lines. I would like to take this moment to talk a little bit about Alice and Janice's character because yeah, please, Sue she's, Buttons. You know, she, she, the titular Sue breaking Buttons news. Buttons is our lead. And Allison Janney, you know, wonderful actor, Academy Award winner, I think does, uh, you know, what she can with this part. Like, she is actually, in a movie that I think is not very good largely, is pitched pretty well, but the script doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I don't know. The Her whole deal is like, look, I understand that her birthday being missed is meant to be a... A, a, like shorthand movie shorthand representative of uh you know the life of quiet desperation mm-hmm. that she's leading well said dan but, is that your phrase did you, did you just come yeah, up with that? yeah. that's very original well, to me very very mm-hmm. well said tm but in the context of a movie like and, and 
I do think that you're supposed to have some sort of sympathy for her at the beginning of the movie and then watch as she sort of grows into a fame-hungry monster, even though mm-hmm. you were supposed to scoff a little bit about her affirmations, like this, like the fact that she's like walking through life, like trying to like, you know, pump herself up and like this idea of like, we are all special. We all deserve like, mm-hmm. like, I think the movie is like trying to pitch it down the middle where like, there's sympathy for her, but also like, you know, satirizing this mindset of personal like growth and how it can lead to selfishness and if, if misapplied, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I don't know, like the, I don't start the movie with any sort of sympathy. Well, a little bit, a little bit. I don't want to, that's, yeah. that's well, I, too well, much. No, but I think, say, I think but, you're, you're right that the tone is off because when the movie starts, you are meant to think she's pathetic and it's supposed to be funny that she's pathetic like yeah she's stepped on by life no one pays attention to her she does these affirmations but clearly she is not in control of her life and everyone just shits all over and it's supposed to be like funny but you're also supposed to feel bad but then you're supposed and you're supposed to want her to get what she thinks she deserves but then you're supposed to lose sympathy with her at a certain point and it's it's does it's a very difficult tonal thing it doesn't pull off you know well like the moment her husband dies she immediately has that like click where she's like okay i don't feel bad about this dead guy i'm gonna take what's mine it's sue's mm-hmm. time to shine yeah exactly uh and i they I feel like the they like speed up to that point a little too fast for me like yeah. like again there's a scene where she's sitting watching TV with a dead body next to her. It's a little bit weird. Um, and it's, yeah, as as she's sitting there, she is watching TV and she watches Juliette Lewis and she gets the idea that if she buries her husband and pretends that he's missing, she might get all the attention that she hasn't been getting. So she does just that. She buries them in the field immediately next to the, uh, uh, next to the hotel or motel. It's like... And feet, he, she also feet from the entrance of the motel. Like it's crazy. Yes. Uh, with, with the flowers that he bought his mistress and the bag of dirty money that she has not opened. She does not know it's filled with $3 million. Yeah. She goes to report that her husband is missing to detective Regina Hall, which is always great to see. She's awesome. Uh, who does, I guess the best she can with this role. Um, who uh, is in, uh, who doesn't really pay uh, Sue much mind, and then she tases a excitable frat boy type character who climbs onto the desk in the police station. Uh, that very scene funny stuff. Really, I was so confused by because they're like, we got some drunk college students come in, and here they go, and they just were like regular white college bros like there was nothing character like exaggerated about them but they're like whoa it was i couldn't understand i was like i don't i don't really think i get the joke here like i don't understand why this was the thing that also needed them to distract be distracted from sue buttons it seems so it seems so half-assed the whole the whole thing well in in general this movie appears to feel it is at least 25 percent more outrageous than it is except for the moments that are actually outrageous which are like strong violence to come that yeah, break we'll the there. tone of the movie but we'll get there and, and i think we should mention because uh, it's it's something i don't want to forget is that the music in this movie is working over time <laughs> yes. like it's yep. like they, they some, some, some this is what a clown hears in hell like being piped into the into the movie just this is like just <laughs> yeah. the most the most extreme intense like boop 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 and it's the movie's just trying the music is trying very hard to 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 make you think it's funny you know it's just 
uh, it's it's yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. To, there was a point where doesn't I was like, doesn't miss an opportunity for a slide whistle. There was a point where I was like, am I gonna have to mute this and watch it with just the captions because I can't take any more in this music? You know, <laughs> but I mean that's like I mean <laughs> to think of Coen Brothers movies that are like trying to like like pitched at a similar level but better like you know they've got like these great dramatic carter burwell scores even as funny things are happening whereas this one is just like mm, let's get the person who does the cart tom and jerry cartoons music to yeah. do it. well and it's it's the it's the thing of like if you want something to be funny then you kind of have to do it as as real as you can in certain things like you yeah. want you want the audience to believe this funny situation is happening so when the music is like boom 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 Boing? You're, you're like okay well i know this is this is not this is not not even trying to convince me that i'm watching a thing that we're, we're watching real people later on sue has a breakdown while eating her birthday cake and she breaks all of her tchotchkes and causes a real big mess and breaks her tv and all that shit but unfortunately in the midst of all this wreckage her sister mila kunis shows up nancy who's a local newscaster and uh sue lies about Carl being abducted, and they decide to break some fucking news. Now this is now we we mentioned it's almost like the casting directors were like Jimmy Simpson is sixteen years younger than Matthew Modine and they're brothers. Why don't we try to break that record? And Allison Janney yeah. is twenty three years older than Mila Kunis, and they they're supposed to be half sisters. And it is I feel like it is it is hard for the movie to. Uh, it never comments on that age difference, other than saying they're half sisters. Mm -hmm. But uh, it made me want to yeah. know more about the backstory of these of these people. That there's <laughs> such a huge age gap. I mean, are they Anthony Quinn's kids? I know that he had a son who That's was two true, and a yeah. son who was like yeah. fifty two. But <laughs> they're you. probably yeah, Anthony probably Quinn's Anthony Quinn's It adds <laughs> a lot to the movie, and it took me out of the movie a little bit because she Mila Kunis seemed very upset that the 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 home was so messy, but I know that Mila Kunis doesn't wash her children. So I don't know what the big deal is. I'm not, I don't, uh, understand. I don't get that <laughs> reference. I'll just take it for granted. There is a, there is a news story where, uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher were like, we don't bathe our kids that often. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a, it's a waste. You also, there were two documentaries about how she's a bad mom. So really, that's true. Yeah. Two documentaries. Yeah. Bad, bad mom, mom and bad, and moms a bad mom's to a Christmas, Christmas adventure. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like Firefest no, where there were two competing Regular, documentaries. Yeah. These were two yeah, fictional films in which she was labeled a bad mom. <laughs> what fictional? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't you know, know. Those, I think it's right. Like those two documentaries about how Billy Bob Thornton is a bad Santa. Sure. Sure. There's a real industry <laughs> in, <laughs> in slandering big Hollywood stars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so Sue has fabricated this story, but Detective Regina Hall, she's not buying it, okay? She doesn't like the idea that, uh, that instead of, you know, really going to the police, even though she did, uh, that, uh, you know, she's going straight to the press. Um, one of the weird thing is there's a, when the detectives come to her home, they pull out a photo of Sue and Carl, like one of their like, you know, marriage photos and Matthew Modine is giving a thumbs up and I found it very funny. <laughs> like, why would you frame that photo? It's really silly. Uh, okay. So the crooks, uh, that's shorthand for Aquafina and Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, it's funny. My notes, I also kept calling them the crooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we're like we're writing for like an old timey newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, so the crooks go looking for the money at the bank. Obviously, Carl is not there, so they uh, kill Piz instead, um, and uh, for, then no, just for, leave. Which no I'm reason. Like, well, it's I mean, Aquafina, yeah. I guess, supposed to be like your loose cannon criminal type. She mm. like she's she's yeah. uncontrollable, and like Aquafina's yes. voice is, I think, the funniest. Vo I, her voice, just saying, just by anything, makes me laugh. But I was like. 
Uh-huh. I don't get why. It, that was a moment that took me out of it even more. Where I was like, I don't know why you just did that. I don't know why you just shot that man in the head. You know? Yeah. I I mean, like, I think Aquafina, like, I love Aquafina. I think she's extremely, like, charismatic as a performer. But I think this is, I think this is miscasting to have her play this, I guess, you know, yeah, supposed to be, like, dangerously loose cannon criminal because she doesn't give, like, she gives off, you know, like goofy Aquafina vibes, but she doesn't give off like also possibly like threatening, going to kill you vibes, which I think the I think story needs. She seems so. The thing about Aquafina is her her affect is like I'm over everything, like I'm over this, like so mm. it's hard to imagine her as someone as a Joe Pesci type who is just like a hair trigger yeah. away from from a murdering live wire. someone. Yeah, exactly. She's she's yeah. very much she's too cool for that. Aquafina, you're too cool for this. Stay it, it, cool. It, it's kind of funny to pair her because her like yeah she's got this kind of like kind of like goofy stonery vibe almost Mm, yeah and to pair her with clifton collins jr who is who's like okay i'm gonna play it even less effective (laughs) yeah like i am even i even give less of a shit than this barely in this movie i mean (laughs) i I have to say i kind of liked his His haircut is great though his look i thought was perfect for it and i kind of liked his performance because it was like he was like i'm like if anton chigurh had a younger brother who had just come out of a coma like i'm so like i'm I'm javier bardem (laughs) from no country for old men but i'm like even more of a blank and there's Uh And you get a – I was waiting for like some – at first I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and then I thought, oh, she was just – he was just hired by her dad to watch her, but he's doing a really bad job. And the, yeah. he was providing so little that I found myself projecting so much onto his character, and I'm like, that's film acting. I don't, like that's yeah. that's yeah, that's great. Robert Mitchum right there, you know, so – Okay, so uh, let's see. Uh, Sue speaks with Gloria. She goes to the studio to speak with Gloria Michaels. Uh, She tries to sell her story but ends up having to double down on her lie and manages to tie Carl's disappearance to the disappearance of Emma Rose. Uh Uh-oh, what a web we weave. Um, Jimmy Simpson... uh, he goes to the crooks and because he, he assumes they have kidnapped his brother and they convince him that he needs to give them $20,000 to pay uh, to pay them off and they'll give him back his brother, which we obviously know will not happen. So Wanda Sykes is like, we got to rob a mall jewelry store, which they do, and she seems very into it and <laughs> I appreciate her enthusiasm. And the way they do it, they back a truck through a through the uh, through the the entrance of the mall and then run in and smash everything and then run out and he and she's like mm-hmm. I love this I love this and he's like be quiet we're gonna get caught and I'm like I'm sorry her voice is not making any more of a sensation than like <laughs> than the fact that you rammed a truck through then the entrance smashed, of the yeah, mall yeah, like yeah, come yeah, on yeah. and there's alarms going off and he's like be quiet be quiet like I don't know what he thought he was robbing I don't I don't understand <laughs> yeah maybe was he yelling at her or was he yelling at the alarm? Well, maybe, sometimes I yell at the alarm. Might have the alarm. Hey, quiet. And he was, yeah, then he started, that's right, because then he took a towel and was waving it at the burglar alarm to try to, to try to turn it off. And I'm like, that works for smoke <laughs> alarms. That doesn't work for burglar alarms. <laughs> uh, so uh, Mila Kunis convinces her sister to do a joint interview with the parents of the missing girl, Emma Rose. Uh, somewhere in there, um, Mina shows up and try that's Aquafina shows up and tries to shake down Sue for the money. But Sue's like, uh, uh, I think she calls her or something. I don't remember, but she doesn't have the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl's mistress shows up in the right before the interview taping is supposed to happen. Uh, and they get in an argument out on the front lawn. And then Sue's like, okay, I know how to deal with this one. So she tells the crooks that the mistress knows, uh, where the money is, which, 
as we will find out, leads to her death, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. And yeah. They, also, the, the crooks have left their business card with, with Allison Janney in case she gets a tip or something like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. just a very, it was very funny to me that it was like, oh, so it's like, like the cops on the wire. They're always leaving their business cards around. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the, the crooks are like, does it say like Mina criminal? And then her number, like, call me. It's confusing. Mm-hmm. Also, this like, uh, you know, I it might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but this seems like a weird play to me on behalf of Alice and Janney because, like, the mistress is. It's not know, a play, Dan. It's a like, movie. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Dan's been I, watching a lot of Succession. He knows uh, that's what they say. Oh, it's I a play. But the, the the mistress shows up, being like, "I know what really happened." Like, and I don't care anymore at this point. You know, like if you expose that I had this. Uh, affair, like I don't even like my husband. Whatever, whatever. We find whatever. out later she's very sex positive based on the contents of her of her dresser. Yeah, but but she's you know she's a loose end that needs to get tied off. But like sending them to, like she knows that Sue knows where the husband is. So sending her to the bad guys, like I don't understand why when she gets kidnapped by the bad guys later, she doesn't immediately just send her back to them back to Sue. I mean, eventually that is what happens, but it seems like yeah. the first thing is like, oh, you're looking for this guy who's missing. You know who, who last saw him? Uh, his, his husband, her her wife, his wife. Why can't I talk? I well, why know, even why she doesn't <laughs> say know. I was his mistress and she and he died having sex with me and now and Sue exactly. is trying and I tried to blackmail Sue and that's why she called you. Like instead she's just like I don't know what to what I'll do I'll tell you whatever what? you want to tell me I don't I, but also yeah. this but the more important thing is that Sue has now crossed the line from uh. Let's call it uh, victimless criminality, where all she's doing is playing a hilarious prank on America that her husband got mm-hmm, kidnapped mm-hmm. Uh, into yeah. active victim-full criminality in that she has delivered this living woman into the hands of criminals that, that she hopes will kill this living woman and turn her into what's yeah. known as a dead woman. Yeah, who, again, you gotta you blame you blame Matthew Modine. You, you blame your husband. You don't blame his mistress. Come on. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, I mean, the to cops be fair, are she is very in. She is very abrasive as a mistress. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so the cops are closing in. Uh, Re- Regina Regina Hall tries like a, a fucking gotcha with Sue where she's like, what about when did you have time to eat the birthday cake? And it's like a fucking person who's super stressed out because their husband's missing would eat a fucking birthday <laughs> cake in front of them. Like, <laughs> you don't have to justify that shit. Like, no fucking jury would, co- would convict it's, her. It's crazy. It's pretty weak evidence. She's like... She has to be involved. She ate a birthday cake and she canceled her dinner reservations. Why would she do well, these things? <laughs> yeah. Her training officer was Encyclopedia Brown, who oh. made cases yeah. on very flimsy evidence. Listen, often. Sue Buttons, <laughs> uh, a mule is <laughs> sterile and cannot have children. Take her away, boys. <laughs> so Sue, blow, of course, blows the interview. Uh, so she has to take it one step further. So she makes a ransom note. Um, and, you know, by cutting out little things and sends it. Uh, Letters from a magazine, not just all little things. <laughs> just not, not like yeah. bugs. <laughs> uh, she, she cut out a poster of the little things, the HBO uh, thriller. That- uh-huh, yep, that's that's true. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, uh, so Pete gives the jewelry to the crooks uh, who, have, who have at this point already abducted the mistress. Um, and then Pete and Rita uh, abduct uh, Aquafina and try to ransom her. 
Um, well, man, there's so much. So there's many also, twists and turns. At this point, also yeah. the uh, uh, detective Hall, uh, the detective Harris, Regina Hall. They think this is around when uh-huh. she arrests Sue, right? Yeah, and, and Mila Kunis right. yeah. records it on her phone, and uh, mm-hmm. and suddenly there's there's like all the news cameras show up at the police station. Yeah. It turns into even more of a kerfuffle. Yeah, publicity circus. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Pete's wife finds one of the rings that he had uh, that he had stolen, and lo- calls him and lies about going into labor with twins, uh, so that he rushes home and she confronts him about the crime. Uh, about him going back to a life of crime of stealing shit. And he's like, I, I had to do it. They got my my brother. Mm-hmm. But they have it out. Like, well, and she says, are, few... are you about your brother or about me? Which is kind of a strange response when you find out someone's brother has been kidnapped. They can love you yes. and be devoted to their family and also not want their brother to be held by hostage takers. You would have been, yeah. you would make a really great uh, like marriage counselor. Let me, let, me, let me judge John Hodgman this for a moment. Uh, uh-huh. Wow, okay. Okay, uh, Janelle. I know that you're worried that uh-huh. Petey is falling into his old habits, and that's fair. That's a very fair way to think. You care about- But he wh- said he wasn't going to commit any more crimes. He said he wasn't committing any, any more crimes. He broke that promise, and you know what? I understand why you're feeling betrayed by that. But on the other hand, let's look at it from Petey's point of view. This is an out-of-the-ordinary situation. It's not every day that his brother, his older brother, his much older brother, kind of more of a father mm-hmm. figure to him because he could have been a teen uh, dad and had him, uh, that it's it's out of the ordinary that that's going to happen every day. So I think uh, what we have to do is I'll go to my chambers and we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. You know, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform <laughs> that allows you to make websites. No, don't give it away for free. Oh, sorry, free. sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, just was, I was channeling John Hodgman too much. Uh, so, uh, oh man, oh, I did lost you talk all my about, Did you well, talk I, about already about how they... Um, some of the, let's talk about some of the violence that's happened up to this point because they kidnap Aquafina and they manage to shoot off part of her ear by accident. And they do shoot off part of her ear. And as revenge, mean, meanwhile, they're they're threatening to to cut off the mistress's fingers. Yes, um, which they don't do, but instead, oh thank goodness, uh, they they <laughs> instead the crime boss uh, puts her head on the bowling ball drill and then. Drills a hole in her head. Yeah, and this to the, kill her forever. This this boss, this is Kong Sim, who this is his second Flophouse appearance. He was also in Hillbilly Elegy. So uh, okay. congratulations, you're back. Yeah, appreciate hey. it. Yeah, he played. Welcome back. Uh, it, how, you liking it? Is it comfortable? Is it is it great? He's giving is us it, a big thumbs is up. The first time. Well, he's sitting in okay. he's sitting in a beanbag, so, so he's so it's obviously comfortable. Yeah, not a lot obviously of lower back support, yeah. but it's just kind of like no. you know, it's like being back in the womb if your mom's womb was on was behind you. It does conform to you though, so that's kind of nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if if you're gonna be sitting all day uh, clutching a N64 controller that is getting get it increasingly sweaty as you play through bond levels you got to be sitting in a beanbag chair <laughs> did you guys see the recent expose about how timothy chalamont he used to have a uh he used to have a youtube channel where it showed hand-painted I custom controllers that. <laughs> that, he, that he was still that's my fucking quiz out how to rock right there i saw i saw i'd never seen an interview with him and i saw a video of the interview where he was like yeah they found my old youtube channel and i was like the mystique around this guy has disappeared for me instantly. Like he's like, I'd only seen his performances and I was like, this is a man of rare, this is a boy of rare delicacy and refinement. And then he's like, yeah, dude, I used to paint these controllers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh forget it. Never mind. <laughs> Where? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It made me like him a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to, I wanted to believe him as kind of like a, um, uh, kind of an uh, almost like Oscar Wildean, like too too uh, too delicate for this world type of elf mm. man, or kind of not like Danny Elfman, who is 
is too delicate for this world. That's why he lives inside of a, a dimensional uh, plane that vibrates constantly mm-hmm. so that he isn't part of this dimension or part of any other dimension. And he just every now and then sends out songs. But I'm more of like a uh, – more of like a uh, – like a pixie type creature, you know. That's what I wanted him to be. But yeah, it turns yeah, out he's yeah. just a regular sure. young Timothy person. Chalamet? Yeah, he's just a regular I young mean, guy. Yeah. I saw somebody describe him as being just like a really wealthy mouse, and I think that's pretty <laughs> accurate. <laughs> that's what I wanted. Uh, See, yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the subject of violence, uh, yep, Clifton Collins Jr. shows up to rescue his partner in crime, uh, Aquafina, and he blasts Rita with a shotgun, and then he shoots Ellen Barkin, but in the process. Aquafina gets a hatchet to the chest. Mm. R.I.P. Uh, okay, then Clifton Collins Jr. burns down the store. With their corpses inside. Again, uh-huh. a level of violence that I don't think this movie can support. And it, it's, it's Not with this tone. It's like the movie is, it, the, it, the movie is like, silly, 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 violence, 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 violence. Like there's, it, it's suddenly like the movie was like, Wow, it's later than I realized. I better start killing yeah. off characters one by one. Yeah, and I have yeah. to say, there's a there's a moment where, so Rita has been shot and killed, and Ellen Barkin is like, "No, you killed Rita," and gets killed, and or gets shot, and she she falls next to Rita and dying. She's like gripping Wanda Sykes's dead hand and going, "Rita, Rita, no, Rita," and it was like. I do not like this. Too this real. is not funny. This is far too real. And in that moment, it was yeah. like, I feel so bad for these characters. They did not deserve this. Like, it was so, it was just too, it was too much. It, that was one of many times where, but maybe that was the most of them, moments in the movie where I was like, no movie, I can't go back to laughing after I've seen the mm-hmm. genuine, like, pain <laughs> that this woman is, is yeah. experiencing. Like, yeah. ugh, horrible. As, uh, as my son would say, whenever I do uh, any of my voices, he doesn't like, horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Pete rushes back to the store to try and uh, warn uh, Rita, uh, only to find that the store has been arsoned. So he tries to rush home. But meanwhile, Clifton Collins Jr. is in his home, uh, stalking his pregnant wife with a uh, pistol. And uh, But she gets the drop on him and stabs him a whole bunch and gets blood all over her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another character's dead. Uh but not the, but not, the not the pregnant lady. That was that was my worry yeah, yeah. was was that they were gonna go. It was that the movie was gonna be like you don't think we're gonna go this far, but we are. And I'm glad they did uh-huh. not go that far. Well, especially because I, I I think she's the only fully sympathetic character in the film. Mm-hmm. So even though she puts she drops down like uh you know like uh, uh what, what do you call them like uh, a thing where she says you got to pick me or your brother sort an of thing. ultimatum like, an ultimatum yeah. yeah thank you one of those things <laughs> uh, i think okay, it was cool. i think it was you used uh, the word drop that threw me off at first <laughs> yeah 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 okay so uh the crime boss uh he's losing his he's losing his people he shows up and holds uh sue and nancy at gunpoint uh, what Nancy if, what if Sid and Nancy knows. was called Sue and Nancy? Instead of Sid Vicious, it was this character, Sue Buttons. But she was still in a relationship <laughs> with Nancy. With Nancy's um, Bungeon. Hmm. Well, I think it would be good still, right? <laughs> I mean, I kind what of feel, think, but Dan? also, I, mean, I, I should mention it's Gary Oldman playing Sue Buttons. Sue would oh. get the drama that she really craves mm-hmm. out of life. Mm-hmm. Sort of the attention, mm-hmm. the tabloid attention. Um, yeah. I mean, all right, I'll fund it. 
I mean, despite the fact that, again, as we've addressed, Gary Oldman is an old man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, I he, think he could do it. He wasn't it. at the time, though. Okay, now forget about it. It's, I'm, I okay. think he's always been an old at man. At the time? Like, that's his what name. time? <laughs> at the time um, he made Sin and Nancy. He was, he was I mean, he oh, was, okay. was a young man. Okay. I'm like, this is a new movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elliot. Yeah, if you check the credits, it says Sid, played by Gary Youngman. Um, <laughs> Gary, so... currently a young man. Okay, now, now it's Sid and Nancy, but it's called Sue and Nancy. But instead, the Sue is Sue Grafton, the author of the, like, B is for Burglar. And M is for murder, okay. like those those mystery Elliot. novels. Uh, how would the story be different? I think you're doing it. Yeah, I think you're doing it. <laughs> Passed away right before she made it to Z. Yeah, uh-huh. sad. very sad. Well, the Z was going to be, and, and, and then Nancy is the Nancy from the comic strips, right? <laughs> exactly. It's Sue Grafton, the mystery writer, and Nancy. And so instead of it being about like heroin or punk music, it's about like. Uh, it, it, she writes a book called B is Chocolate, C is Ack, for changing yeah. room, B is for bathing suit. Yeah, it's just all, A is for Ack. She's just writing. A, she's writing. <laughs> wait, wait, well, no, 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 no. You're thinking of Kathy now, Nancy. Of Which course. one is? Oh, Nancy Ernst, out Ernie. With oh, Sluggo. that's right. <laughs> that's I got Kathy and Nancy mixed up. So what <laughs> if it was called? Involved. So what if it was called Sue and Kathy? And okay, it's about Sue Grafton and her friend Kathy, and she's writing okay. these novels, and eventually Kathy is like, wait. B is for bathing suit. C is for chocolate. A is for hack. You've been writing about me, and Sue Grafton is like, I'm not the bad art friend. Are you the? You're the bad oh, art wow. friend, Kathy. Oh wow, yeah. topical. Topical. And then Nancy yeah, and Sluggo yeah. come in, and they, I guess, murder everybody because it's one of those movies that's kind of not that funny, but it's trying yeah. to be kind of funny, and there's murders yeah, in it. Yeah, I get it. yeah, yeah. I get what's doing. Okay, so uh, wait a minute. I'm looking up the so, Sue Grafton books now. Her <clears throat> X book was just called X. That's not okay. You can't do that. It goes, yeah, it's not fair. V is for vengeance. Not even like D- X marks the spot or something? Not X marks the spot. Next, X is for xylophone, and it's some kind of xylophone murder. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, the crime boss shows up. He holds uh, Sue and Nancy at gunpoint, um, and then he uh, forces them to take them to the money, uh, uh, take him to the money after he shoots Nancy in the knee. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like Mila Kunis really plays this well. Like she is suitably freaked out for having gotten her kneecap. That's a off. painful, that's uh, a painful injury to be fair. Yeah. To be shot. You, in the yeah. Yeah, you were in one of those gunfights, and they blasted mm-hmm. your knee with off. The Terminator. Right? Yeah, I, was so anyway, it was all. It turns out it was all a mistake. The Terminator was there, but he wasn't really involved. So the the, the rumors were he was we, he was sure. at the same Carl's Jr. that I was at, and he just happened to be online oh, when the gunfight okay. broke out. Uh, and the gunfight uh-huh. was between me and well, it's we don't need to get into it. anyway. It was yeah. the RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, you don't but, know, but, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm not allowed to talk about well, it until the civil suit is is finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, RoboCop in a rare moment of not shooting someone in the dick <laughs> shot you in the knee instead. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so Sue and the crime boss go to the motel to dig up the money. Meanwhile, the t- detectives are also going there to like poke around and ask questions. Uh, let's see. The cops interrupt the uh, bo- the crime boss who's going to kill Nancy once he's gotten the money. Well, so they uh, he's made Nancy flying. D- he dig dig up the money and then it, it, it's going to become her grave, as far as they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they uh there's a brief gunfight. Both detectives are shot and killed. The crime boss is shot and killed. Sue is the only one left standing and she vows that she will turn the detectives into heroes as they are dying. Uh and now she is famous. The end of the movie. Hooray! Yeah, she's breaking news. The movie's over. Self-help book. Uh, <laughs> she's on Juliet Lewis's uh program again. Gloria Michaels. Oh, and we learned yeah, that uh, yeah. we learned that Emma Rose was found alive. Totally fine. The, the little mm, girl. Hey, that's great, over, over in great. voiceover. We're told that. Yeah, I would have appreciated. 
not to say I would appreciate uh, a longer runtime, but this this tie up seems pretty rushed, hurried. They sort of hand wave away. Like I I have no idea at the end of the movie. I'm like, what what story uh, she told to cover True. everything? Like mm-hmm. I kind of a more skillful version you, of you got to read her book, Dan. Uh, got to read her book. Well, yeah, I mean, say something for the sequel. You see a movie like this, and the loose ends are breaking twos, <laughs> breaking news in, in Tuba County. County. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> it, it's in a, it is a place oh, called God. Tuba County where everyone plays the tuba. But Dan, you're saying <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, a movie like this typically, when well made, the loose ends are either tied off or it's very clear that like the ones that aren't tied off are not tied off for a reason. Whereas this just sort of hand waves away whatever happens in between her sitting next to two dead police officers and a crime boss and her appearing on Juliet Lewis's program. Yeah. Hey, Dan, do you think if this movie had been a big hit that there would be like Facebook targeted ads for uh, combo T-shirts where it's like, it'll say like breaking news. Well, I'll say breaking news in Bloom County, and it would be the Bloom County characters dressed up like they're the Yuba County characters. What do you think? Dan? Do you think that would have been a big if it had been a big hit? It'd be like breaking that? news. <laughs> two things shirt you've been looking for. Yeah, yeah. breaking news in Yawkpatawpha County, and it's all the Faulkner heroes from the from the from the WFCU, the William Faulkner uh, Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that, they would have done that, right? Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, that's cool. So, that would have been cool. Yeah, they, I think they probably would have done that. It's This is a weird movie also because they wrap it up, and then the credits start, and then there's a mid-credit scene as if they're teasing another movie. And it's, now, Stuart, wait, did you really? see this mid-credit scene? I didn't movie? see this you shit. you got to stop you, turning you, off the you movie watch at least, at least fast forward through Just the credits. Just through. Yeah. So <laughs> Allison Janney is on the – where she's talking to, uh, to Juliet Lewis, and it's a year later. And she's like, oh, my book is such a big hit. And Juliet Lewis is like, you've, in, you've inspired me to write a book. I'm going to write a book. And he's like, she's like, oh, well, then I'm going to write another book. And we're going to go on a book tour together. And it's this weird scene where clearly they are both trying to exploit each other to make money. And they do not want to be friends. But like, but Allison Janney keeps, like, keeps roping Juliet Lewis in. And it's clear Juliet Lewis does not want to do this. Gloria Michaels does not want to be connected to this person anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's just this weird little sketch that like I wasn't. To be honest, it might have been my favorite non-Wanda Sykes scene in the movie, but I couldn't understand why it was there necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, Elliot. I can't believe that, like, I missed it. In terms of actual like comic juice, like that scene felt a little like sharper than yeah. the rest of the film. Well, it had like uh, it, it felt like a sketch that had a premise where someone yeah. some where these two characters are both trying to be the one exploiting the other for gain and they won't let up. But it's uh yeah. And it hints, it hints at a sharper film, perhaps, or even a sharper image. If you were watching mm. the TV like I was with, oh, with like a, a 4K, this, yeah, if we're watching it in four. This was available in 4K. I did not spring for the extra <laughs> to see it in 4K, but you know, is that where they like spray water in your face and shit? I saw it <laughs> no, in 4K yeah. where they have. The character Forky from Toy Story Four just you know edited in. He's just like ah, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. When 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 the violence happens, he's like I don't I don't know how to handle this. I'm Forky. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone told me that they went to see Dune in 4D, and they're like, yeah, and the seat like shakes and stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> Like this on a movie, like I don't. The same way that like the same way that uh, yeah. there was part of me that always felt a little bit like I was I was cheapening my wait what do you th- when i was w- what do you think would happen in 4d at dune like 
if if the sheet the seat isn't shaking, what should be no happening? nothing. You just sit and watch a movie, and it's made of sound and image. And but you know now it's not in four D. No, that, that's yeah. okay with me. But the same way you need that extra. You D. don't need. Well, as I've yeah. said before, all movies are already in three D because it's depth. <laughs> no, it's not depth. It's height, width, and time. The extra four D. Uh-huh. You don't extra D. You don't need it. I don't need that extra D. What's the extra D then? I, know, I saw yeah. that shirt that said she needs the D, and I'm like, not that fourth <laughs> D, sir. Three <laughs> D is fine. But uh, the how, how did the guy react when you told him that? He said, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I've got to rethink this shirt. And he he and he went on a voyage of self discovery, and now he's doing a lot better. Uh, and now his oh, cool. now his like shirt North? now his shirt says she can choose to implement the D uh, rather than that she mm. needs the oh, D. Okay. Yeah. But it's like I still don't think it. Well, you should just buy a different shirt. Yeah, I think you should. Well, and he re- <laughs> just wrote over it with marker. It didn't work. Well, he's committed oh, to the message. Yeah. No, when man. I was a kid, and I'd plug in my Rumble Pack into my N sixty four controller and play Star Fox, <laughs> it felt like uh-huh. I was cheapening the experience a little bit. So I feel like the the four D really? chair would do that too. Yeah. It also made it harder to play yeah. because you're trying to use a controller and it's shaking that's, in your hands. I mean, that's part of the challenge, bro. Well, that's so. Is it supposed to be challenging to watch a movie like the chair is shaking to make it harder to see the film? Sometimes, clearly? sometimes our challenges us, dude. I have never <laughs> gone to a 4D movie. Uh, I've heard tell of them. Audrey's been to a couple. I, I hear that it's like you get. It's almost like you get punched in the back at different points. Yeah. Sounds like Audrey's the fun one. Well, it, yeah. That makes sense well, then, because it's like we all knew that. If uh, if you go to if you go to see Dune, all the times that uh, that that Duncan Idaho like slaps Paul Atreides on the back, the back of your chair yeah. hits you too, and it's like, oh, now I know what it's like when Jason Momoa hits me on the back affectionately. <laughs> yeah, now I'm regretting not going to see Titan in 4D, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now, what, put a what, chair in your mouth. What about what about the person who's super excited about seeing Teton and they're like, I've heard this is really going to push my boundaries. This is going to be something I've never seen before. But he actually got tickets to Titan AE, and he's like, What is this? <laughs> this is not the movie I was promised. I don't know, man. It's pretty cool too. Uh, where are we talking about? Uh, final judgments. Uh, if this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie <laughs> we kind of like. Uh, I I I will admit something shameful, which is like I didn't hate this. Like there are movies we watched that are really sort of boring and are trying to do nothing. Uh-huh. And this movie I don't think is very successful, m- mostly because I think it has this just a sort of sitcom level direction of everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I do have a soft spot for like movies where like a bunch of uh, dumb criminals make things worse for one another. Yeah. And I also like the cast of this quite a bit. So... Uh, this is one of these ones that, for me, falls outside our regular categories, but in another category we often invoke, which is like, I don't know, if I was falling to sleep to this on a Sunday, uh, it'd be okay. But uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I had a much stronger response to it. I thought this was a, a bad, bad movie. I, I In theory, I always like – in theory, I like Coen Brothers-esque movies where a yeah. bunch of dumb criminals run around and get into trouble and get killed. But – for it to work for me, it's either got to be really funny or it's got to be so stylized that I don't feel bad for the characters. Or if I do feel bad for the characters, that's what the movie wants me to do. And here I felt like it was not funny enough or unreal enough for me to get over the fact that, like, yeah. I'm seeing a woman getting a drill put through her head or seeing, you know, part of another— I mean, you don't actually, you don't actually see, see it, but I know it's happening. But it is—but in the moment— would have been wild. It would have been very I wild. I feel like— Yeah, you know what? I was. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, it would have it been much more extreme then. But the—or uh, or seeing, like, 
Ellen Barkin genuinely like distraught that her wife has just been killed yeah. and she's done. Like it, yeah. it did not, it couldn't stick that landing. And I just ended up being, it was just one of those movies where I was like, why are all these people in this movie? Like, why are these, why is this, there's this level of talent in this movie and it just couldn't, it couldn't pull off what is uh, admittedly a very hard task, which is to do a like a funny dark comedy where you're not put off by people, people getting killed left and right, you know? But for yeah. me, it, it went into the distasteful territory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll say I'm kind of in between you guys, but I think it'll still be a, a bad, bad for me. Obviously the cast is great. Uh, all the performers have proven themselves in other things a hundred times over. Um, but I feel like with this type of movie, uh, I think it, it, it felt like, yeah, it felt like kind of like a sitcom level direction as opposed to like a slightly more patient, more character driven, like a little, like it could have been a little quirkier, I guess. Like, yeah. uh, you know, to give these characters a little more time to define themselves so that when terrible things happen, it actually has some emotional weight other than, oh, this is bad. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it didn't really work for me. Breaking news. I didn't care for it. <laughs> Hold for applause. Mm -hmm. Just making a quirky little smile. Yeah, you can't see at home, but but Stu's doing a real take showing to the off, camera. Showing off my dimples. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? <laughs> In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah. Video games. Video games. Video games. You like them? Maybe you wish you had more time for them. Maybe you want to know the best ones to play. Maybe you want to know what happens to Mario when he dies. <laughs> In that case, you should check out Triple Click. It's a podcast about video games. A podcast about video games? But I don't have time for that. Sure you do. Once a week, Kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love. Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton. Me, Jason Schreier. And me, Maddie Myers. You can find Triple Click wherever you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye! Hey, uh, normally I would start off some ads right now, but th there's only a couple and I gave them both to you guys. So why don't you uh, read them? Thanks. Okay. I get, thanks for the charity, <laughs> mister. I, well, I guess I owe you one. <laughs> That's right. The Flophouse is brought to you in part by Storyblocks. Let's say you're like me. You got a story you want to tell through the medium of video, but you're a person with a day job. You don't have time to run around shooting tons of video like you're John Wilson or something. In the old days... You'd have to go around to stock footage houses and look at all their stuff and pay for individual clips. That's what we used to have to do all the time at The Daily Show. As a producer there, you'd have to look at all the stock footage. You'd have to pay for each clip on its own. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to waste all that time. Thanks to 
Storyblocks. It's this enormous library of over a million video assets you can use to bring your projects to life. Storyblocks' unlimited all-access plan gives you unlimited downloads of the over 1 million-plus video assets in their library. That's footage. Unlimited downloads. When you have the unlimited all-access plan, you can have as, you could download all million-plus assets. If you can store it, go ahead. You can try out multiple options quickly. Find the perfect video fit so you can create more and spend less. There's also their restock program. It's their commitment to increase representation in stock media by hiring creators from marginalized communities to create content that's more reflective of the diverse world we live in. That's right. Not just that same old, old-fashioned, you know, stuck-in-one-type-of-footage footage. You can find what you need, certainly. You can stay on budget while telling the best version of your story with the most affordable subscription plans and tools on the market that scale to meet your needs. With Storyblocks, you can make professional-looking video projects at home. You don't even have to put your socks on. That's why I'm suggesting they use the slogan, Storyblocks don't need socks. Now, those who watch our mm. live online shows, you know that Dan has made a couple of really great uh, song videos with Storyblocks. Uh, one, they've both been about having to use the bathroom during the show. Uh, <laughs> but they, I'll try and class it up next time. Next, no, no, don't. That Dan, we love you the way you are. Making jokes about urine. Uh, Storyblocks had such amazing footage for him to well, use. you're in luck. <laughs> oh, boy. There's one shot in particular of slices of ham that I thought was so funny that I got in Storyblocks. And Dan, <laughs> just tell me real quick, how easy was it to use Storyblocks on a scale from one to ten? One meaning not easy at all, and ten meaning it's so easy, I think I'm doing it right now still. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll just give it a nine just because I don't think I'm still doing it. Okay, that's fair. But. You know, to be fair, I should have made it a, a better scale. Uh, <laughs> super yeah. easy to use. They've got such great stuff. And when you download it, you have it. You can just use it forever, download as much as you want. Go and explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash flop. That's storyblocks.com slash flop. And this episode is supported by Green Chef, America's number one meal kit for eating well. Green Chef's expert chefs curate every recipe with over 30 meal choices every week and the flexibility to switch plans so you'll never have to sacrifice taste or nutrition. You can enjoy restaurant-quality dishes in the comfort of your own home made by you. Uh, Green Chef is also the most sustainable meal kit, uh, offsetting 100% of their plastic use and 100% of their carbon footprint and emissions. Enjoy your greens while staying green. Now, Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh, uh, which means that there's plenty of options, uh, plenty of meal options for you. And I've had a uh, great experience with uh, Green Chef. Uh, I love uh, the, not only do I like having fresh ingredients that I don't have to pick out at the store, it also is a great way to add a few new uh, cooking like tricks and uh, elements to my to my repertoire as a, I guess, a fledgling cook, unlike Dan, who was a master chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go to greenchef.com slash flophouse125. That's flophouse125 and use code flophouse125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. What? Wow. That's great. That's greenchef.com slash flophouse125 and the code, once again, Flophouse125 for $125 off. Uh, before we move on, you got any plugs, anyone? Plugs, plugs? Call for plugs. I'd like to remind, oh, Stu, you go first. It's okay. 
Oh, no, no, no. You go first, Elliot. No, no, Stu. I was going to tell everybody about how the Maniac of New York Volume 1 Trade Paperback Collection go. is okay, out now I'll in go, stores, but I, you go first because <laughs> they don't need to find out till later that they can also pre-order issues of Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning, the new series that's going to be out next year. Again, that's my slasher comic book that uh, asked the question, what if The Wire, instead of being in Baltimore and being about drugs, was in New York and was about a Jason-type killer that was loose in the city? But again, they can find out about the Maniac of New York trade paperback that's in stores now, later. Stu, you go first. Uh-huh. So, Elliot, did you, are you sure you don't want to go first? I No, I feel like I shouldn't go first. Again, I could tell them that, again, they can pre-order okay. the second series, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning, through their comic book stores now, but instead I think you should go first. Do you think I'm going to look like an asshole if I go first? I don't think so. I think, you know what, as much as people want to hear about Maniac of New York, the trade paperback collection of which is on stores right now, that's written by me and art by Andrew Moody, that's from Aftershocks Comics. On stores? The, uh, the, I think that they can hear about that after you talk. So you go first. Okay. Uh, so, uh, hey, listeners. My name is Stuart Wellington. In addition to being a hit hot podcaster, I am also I am also the wait, owner a hip hop podcaster. Are you, are you, wait, nope. <laughs> if you listen to my words carefully, I said a hit, comma hot podcaster. Now, are you a, a hit podcaster because you're a hot podcaster, or are they? <laughs> are you a hot That's podcaster because you're a hit podcaster? Those are questions you're going to have to answer yourself. That's okay. the thing. I don't um, feel like I have the information so, necessary to come to a conclusion on those. <laughs> well, that's an answer too. But uh, Mark C on yours. Mark C. All right, you're filling in the bubble and scanning. 100. I got it right. I passed the test, oh, and I'm oh, now a lawyer. Great. Oh wow. Uh, okay. Well, I'm in a jam right now, Elliot. Uh, and that jam is I own a couple of small uh, bars in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, Fun size. They're bars. not that small. Thank you. Thank you. They're great bars. <laughs> called Minnie's Bar and Hinterland's Bar. And if you are in the city of Brooklyn, New York, you should come out and visit sometime because uh, it, I don't know, that's my job. And I like uh, I like it when I get to see people who listen to the Flophouse. So come on by sometime. Uh, Elliot, you had a plug? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll do it next episode. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's move on to some letters from listeners. Um, yeah, why not? You know, people who listen can also... Right. And sometimes they write us letters. That's the segment. I feel like you're fucking teasing Ellie with that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> this, uh, hey now, this, we got oh. some letters coming your way. That's right. There's letters coming in today. All right. There's letters coming through the air. They're being thrown by some kind of great mailman pitcher guy. Hey, look. It's famous pitcher Randy Johnson. He's a mailman now, and he's throwing those letters right through the air into the mailbox. Oh, no, a bird was in the way. It's dead now. Hit my letters. What? You know what? <laughs> I like that one. That one had like a sort of a coming to America vibe. Mm. To They're the, coming the to Flophouse now. Letters. Yeah. Today. Uh, this for, okay. This first letter is from Turn on Juniper your mailbox. <laughs> Juniper, last name withheld, writes, I write to you regarding my recent revisit of Disney's Chicken Little starring oh, Zach Braff. Sure. As, a <laughs> as, a, as is often the case. Yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> as a, another surprising sentence is that the... <laughs> As a bare naked, was he live action or was he the voice? As a bare naked ladies fan, I was surprised and elated to hear them perform as part of the movie. Uh, one little slip from the Chicken Little soundtrack. Oh wait, sorry, 
no, sorry, I, I read that wrong. I was surprised and elated to hear them perform as part of the movie. Okay. And one little slip, that's the name of the song, from the Chicken Little soundtrack has become a permanent installment in my Spotify library. Aside from this and Don Knotts being cast as a turkey who is also the mayor, the film was terrible. My question to you is this. Are there any songs from a movie's soundtrack that stand out in quality such that you'll listen to it outside the context of the movie? Extra points if the quality of the movie itself is much lower than that of the song. Yours always a juniper last name withheld. You know, the first one that comes to mind is uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Who's Johnny by Elder Barge <laughs> okay. from yeah, Short yeah. Circuit. Yeah, sure. To the degree that uh, Audrey and I were making it's your out, fucking like, first dance song, right? DJ list for the wedding. And I'm like, would it be uh, <laughs> too ridiculous to put Who's Johnny by Elder Barge on the list of songs I want played? Would I be the only one dancing to that? Mm-hmm. I think you'd be the only one dancing uh, without a look of confusion on your face, but other people would be dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys have any? Uh, I mean, yeah. I feel like the '90s was filled with killer soundtracks for like ever. Like any movie that came out had fucking amazing soundtracks. Yeah, Kiss from right? a Rose, like, dude. There's nothing in it about hell Batman, yeah, dude. Nothing's better than that song. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like, like. Most of the like the Crow soundtrack was great. The Judgment Night soundtrack was great. And Judgment Night's not a good movie, right? It's fine, right, guys. Mm. What about like American Werewolf in Paris? Had yeah, there's some bangers on there. Like <laughs> what the fuck? But not Mash because it's not in London. It's in Paris. I mean, recently this is I'm skipping ahead to my recommendation this week. But uh, I after watching uh, after watching Teton, I immediately went out and bought uh, that song uh, that album by The Kills. Uh, that has the song from the car show sequence because uh, it's great, and I added it to my workout routine. <laughs> nice. Uh, I there are a lot of songs that I listen to outside of the the context of the movie. I don't know if that we call the movies bad necessarily, but like there's a Metallica fans are well well familiar with the song "The Ecstasy of Gold" by Neo Morcone from uh, "The Good, the Bad, and the mm-hmm. Ugly," which is a which is an amazing song that I would play all the time. Uh, there's, I used to have a CD, I guess I still have it, but I don't have a CD player. It was called The Best of Godzilla, Volume 1, 1954 to 1975, and there's a bunch of great songs on there by uh, Ikiro Ifukube. Uh, there's one called, there's two songs from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla in particular that I love, Godzilla vs. Angiris, which is this kind of like real jazzy kind of like uh, 60s rock song, and one called Mia Robbie's Prayer, where this character is singing to the giant monster King Caesar to come help stop the, the bad monsters, but the uh, the version on that disc is just like, feels like a very jazzy kind of like torch song almost, uh, but, you know, 70s kind of torch song. Mm. There's a uh, song from the movie Zangir called Chakuchurian Tez Karalo, mm-hmm. which which translates mm-hmm. as Get Your Knives yeah, Sharpened, yeah. and that's a, that's a song I really like from an Indian movie from the 70s. So I'll throw those songs on all the time, but I don't watch those movies particularly regularly. Uh, mm. But I like to pull those songs from the context of the film. Just listen to them. There's a lot of songs from foreign movies that uh, that I find myself like listening to a lot outside the movie. There's a song called Por Que Te Va, I think, from uh, the movie Cria Cuervos uh, that was like a pop hit at the time. Uh, it's the Spanish-language mm-hmm. pop hit, and I'll find myself listening to that one a lot. Um, so, yeah, there's tons of songs that you can listen to outside of the movies. I don't. Those aren't bad movies yeah. necessarily, uh, but, you know, why not? Hey, 
I make the rules. This Why is my not? life. I don't, I don't, <laughs> yep. I don't care what you it's say anymore. This rule, is eh? my life. Bump, bump, bada, bump. Billy Joel sang this song. Now I'm taking it from him. Do 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 Now this song is gonna be my song. Do 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 do. This next letter, yep, is from Sean. Last name withheld. Um, hello, floppers. I would love some advice. I want to watch scary movies, but I'm a gigantic scaredy cat. Uh I'm afraid of gore, of jump scares, of being scared. I enjoy Alien and Aliens. I love Get Out, and I generally like thrillers. Mostly, I just want to watch Mother, judging by the fact that I agree with the Flophouse on The Fountain, The Prestige, Annihilation, and The Fall. I think I might be in the group of people who would like Mother. So how do I do it? How can I train myself? to like scary movies and also uh, a series of postscripts. Dan, you responded to an email from me when I wrote to thank you all for giving me through the long night after putting my cat down. It was really kind of you. I still think about it. Stu, I worked full and part-time in restaurants for nearly 20 years. I feel for you all right now and hope you're doing okay. Also, please keep the Instagram thirst pics and videos coming. I can't stop. I'm addicted. Elliot, when is the next picture book? I run the children's slash YA section of a daily newsletter focused on books and indie bookstores, and I've been loving keeping up with the kids' book careers of different Max Funsters. Oh, that's nice. Uh, oh, uh, help uh, getting the oh, yeah. scary movies. Uh, I mean, that's kind of tough. Like, uh, wait, did did we f- – they like Mother. They haven't no, they watched want it yet. To s- Oh, yeah, it's not scary. It's just super stressful. It's like, as I've said, it is a perfect encapsulation of my bartending stress dreams. (laughs) Uh, It's great. Uh, The feeling that, like, people keep coming in, and I'm like, it's 4 a.m. You got to get the fuck out of here. Considering the scariest part of it is when those people keep sitting on the sink, and she keeps saying, stop sitting on the sink, and they will not stop sitting on the sink. Like, it's it's, it's like, it's there's a scene in Call Me By Your Name where uh, I think Timothy Chalamet, like, doesn't close a refrigerator door, and the shot just lingers on it, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Just close it. There was a a movie recently I was watching with my wife, and there was a scene where the character left the house without turning the lights off and I was like uh it's not that big an emergency like can you please turn those lights off and she started laughing <laughs> at me but uh, yeah mother is um it's yeah it's not scary so much as like appalling in a good way like I feel like yeah it's a shock to the system but it's not a like I guess there's a couple kind of there's one or two like almost jump scary moments but they're not it's not like a horror horror movie. It's more of a. Yeah. It's, it's more like a sort of a, a relentless grinding down. <laughs> yes, I mean, to, I mean, I think that was my favorite like movie life. of that year. Like, I really loved that movie, and part of the reason is because you, the movie starts off in like where you're like, I, I get what kind of movie this is. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a horror movie, and it keeps going through stages where you're like, what is this movie? And then by the end, you're like, yeah. oh, I knew what that movie was. At the, by the end of it, yikes! Yeah. What a what an experience. Yeah, but I did really like yeah. it a lot. I mean, when it comes to watching horror movies, I mean, the only thing for it is to do it. I know that, like, Audrey uh, did not watch horror movies. Like, uh, she sounds kind of like you in that she's interested in them. So she would, like, read the synopsis on Wikipedia, but she would not watch it. And then she fell in with me and all my nerd friends who love horror movies Mm -hmm. and has been sort of uh, by osmosis exposed Mm -hmm. to a lot more and I think is a lot less scared because of it but i also would like to say you know don't don't seek to 
not be scared because like part like I what I wouldn't give to still be scared by a horror movie, which is not to say I'm like particularly brave because I am not, but I'm so used to watching horror movies now that like if one genuinely scares it's me, like a comfort zone it's a for treat. You. It's yeah. a treat if something yeah. scares me. I'm like, oh, something broke through my mm-hmm. hard candy shell. <laughs> you're you're uh, the you're yeah, the I mean, you're the decadent Cenobite who is piercing his flesh in the hopes that he will someday yeah. feel aroused by something again because you're so over physical <laughs> exactly. pleasure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If Dan was a Cenobite, he would be the CD head but replace the CDs with uh, Steelbox <laughs> DVDs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Steelbook DVDs. Uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, I would say my bit of advice would be uh, pick horror movies that you want to watch that seem like they might be a little bit fun and then watch them with the lights on with a group so of people. So don't start with Martyrs is what you're saying. I would yeah. not recommend any anything from the French uh, uh, crazy horror uh, wave of crazy horror movies. I feel like uh, it's okay not to like scary movies and to not like being scared. I have two children, one of whom loves scary things. The other one does not like scary things at all, and I love them both equally. So uh, if that means anything, uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I would say a way to get into it might be to start with like eerie or creepy movies. I'm a bit – there's – a lot of older, what we would call horror movies now, like the Universal Monster movies or the Val Luton produced horror movies like Cat People or The Seventh Victim or even some later movies like The Innocents or The Others even, which is a – you know, it's 20 years – almost 30 years old at this point. But like the – it's a – they're movies that are less like scary, scary and more just creating an eerie or unsettling atmosphere. And that might be a way to get into those kinds of movies where it's not – you're not jumping straight to someone getting like a knife through their face uh, and instead, you're starting with like, oh, you just happen to be inhabiting this kind of strange, eerie world, you know. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, but that's to say that like you don't need to be into horror movies to watch Mother. You just have to be ready for a movie to uh, keep assaulting you uh, with, uh-huh. vis- <laughs> with 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 moments of discomfort that you weren't expecting ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, the main well, the main horror of the movie is there are people in my house. How, why won't they get out of my house? Which is, but not in yeah. a scary way, just in a like I need these people, I need these people out of my fucking house. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> super relatable. It's great. It's great. Um, okay, well let's uh, uh, let's close with our traditional final segment, which is recommendations movies of movies, right? Of movies okay. that we've seen and would recommend to others. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to recommend a, a movie that I saw as part of a friend's uh, horror marathon they were doing. It's called Primal Rage. It's from 1988. Is that the video game where the monkey farts on it people? It is indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this does not involve a monkey that farts, but it does involve a baboon that gives people a rage virus. Um, is so, one of the side yeah. effects of the virus gas? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. That's what I was going to ask. This movie was uh, made by an Italian uh, creative team, but like, but shot in Florida with uh, American actors, and it is basically what I'm always hoping for when I like. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this trashy '80s yeah. horror movie. Like, it, it it has the the like the zing that I'm looking for. It's got a bunch. Like, it is dumb in a lot of ways. Like. You know, you couldn't sell it to someone as, like, an unabashed good movie. Like, there's a bunch of, like, dopey stuff in it that's fun to laugh at. But it's also done with a certain briskness and, like, stuff's always happening and a bunch of gross horror effects and uh, just goopy stuff and silly 
I don't know. It's just it's just fun. It's like a fun trash eighties horror movie if that's the kind of thing. Damn, that's enough. You don't into. you don't have to feel defensive. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, I'm going to recommend two movies this time. Uh, the first one I've already mentioned, and that is Teton, the uh, Palm d'Or winner <laughs> from this year. It's uh, an intense movie. Uh, it's gory and gross and weird and has a lot of body horror. Um, but it's, I mean, it's certainly not like other movies you're going to watch, uh, right now. It's, uh, directed by, written and directed by, I'm going to butcher her name, Julie de Cournau, de Cournau, uh, who made Raw, which is also amazing. Um, and, uh, Titan is, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go into the plot, but, uh, I will paraphrase my friend April Wolf, uh, when she described it as a movie that tries out being about like three or four different types of movies before settling on the weirdest option. Uh, I found it, uh, both upsetting and also like very heartwarming and touching at times. Uh, it's great. Uh, and the second movie I'm going to recommend, uh, but also with Teton, like if you are squeamish, uh, it's, it's, Pretty intense. Um, the second movie I'm going to recommend is going to be coming out on uh, Blu-ray from our friends at Vinegar Syndrome. And it's a movie called New York Ninja. It is a movie that was shot in 1984. And uh, the after it was shot, the uh, project was abandoned and the uh, director and star retired. So the, and then the 37 years later, the unedited reels uh, were picked up by Vinegar Syndrome and they decide to edit the whole thing together, re-record audio and music for the whole movie uh, and they release it and it manages to be this kind of like, like perfect 80s, uh, like ninja action movie featuring a New York City that is overrun with what appears to be the same gang <laughs> of guys <laughs> Uh, garishly dressed in uh, weirdly padded outfits uh, who are stalking around the city and kidnapping women. And the only recourse is for one man to become a ninja uh, wearing what appears to be like bed sheets. Uh, and it's like, it's very silly. Every scene, like there's something I think, I feel like because it's been edited recently, edited together recently, it, like it flows really well. Every scene is like funny and weird. Uh, it's yeah, it's really fun. Uh, New York Ninja. In a New York Ninja. That's that song that you may have heard yep. before. Um, I am going to be recommending a movie that's not from New York. It's from Russia, uh, but it's a newish movie. It's not. This is not a. This is not an old movie from Eastern Europe. Do we have to guess what it is by? What it isn't. Okay, so <laughs> it doesn't have uh, it doesn't have like a cat bus in it, like my neighbor Totoro. Okay, and mm -hmm. they don't go to the moon. Uh, mm. There's no scenes <laughs> with James Hong in it. Is this helping you figure out what movie it is? Uh, is it a Stalker? No, it's not. It's Dear Comrades. That's right, from 2020. Okay. Uh, Dear Comrades, directed by Andrei Konchalovsky, who is best known here for. Tango and Cash and Runaway Train, uh, but mm -hmm. who in mm -hmm. Russia has made uh, much less Tango and Cashy movies than the ones that he's made in the United States. Um, I'm out. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, but it's a movie. It stars Julia Vysotskaya, and she plays the part of a party bureaucrat in the early 60s uh, who is uh, kind of a real toe-the-line uh, communist. 
and she witnesses a massacre of striking workers that the government then covers up and goes on a hunt to find out whether her daughter was part of that massacre and if she's her daughter's still alive mm-hmm. or not. Uh, and it looks beautiful. It's shot in, in that crisp black and white that I love for my Eastern European cinema. The acting is great. The story is really gripping. You don't really need to know anything about Russian history to get it. It's based on the story of a real-life uh, massacre of striking workers, but – you don't need to know that. And it's just uh, – you're just following this woman on this kind of grueling emotional journey as she has to start doubting all the things that she's kind of taken for granted around her. Uh, and it was just really good. It's called Dear Comrades! Exclamation point. Just like Mother! Exclamation point, the title also ends with an exclamation point. So that's Dear Comrades! Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's available a bunch of places. It's on Hulu right now and it's on Canopy right now. So – you know. Tubi? Is it on Tubi? Probably. It's, I seem to find that everything is on Tubi. Tubi is this – it's <laughs> like it's like discovering that there was like a like, – like a dumpster behind your house that somehow is full of gold. That's what Tubi is to me. Yeah. It's like I walk past it every day and I'm like, there's nothing good in there. And then I finally look inside and I'm like, everything good is in here. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, come on, Tubi. Let's, let's uh, you know. Let's make this happen. Let's uh, <laughs> become an official sponsor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel. I will maybe. Why they, don't you produce the flop ass TV show? They might. They might not. <laughs> a, t- a Tubi original. <laughs> I, we, I would totally do it as a Tubi original. I feel like I have to stop referring to them as a dumpster full of gold. But uh, there's just <laughs> there's something about a free ad supported service where I'm like, there's no way there's going to be good stuff on there. And there's so many good movies on there, and such yeah, a huge yeah, variety yeah. of good movies. Like, it's and nuts. so many terrible movies, and a lot yeah, of crap. That's great about and it. a lot of crap. Yeah. But still, yeah. Tubi, we're here. Sponsor us. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know, uh, this has been great, but all great things have endings, uh-huh. including e- this episode. Even bad things do, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But before we go, I would like to thank our producer, Alex Smith, mm-hmm. for all the work he does for us on the show, making it sound great. I would like to advise you, the listener, to go check out other shows on the Max Fun Network over at MaximumFun.org. There's a lot of uh, funny shows. There are a lot of informative shows. There's something to your taste there, I guarantee. Um, Unless you like garbage. Binding. If you, <laughs> if, you like, yeah. if you like bad things, then steer clear. But if you like good things, go for then it. stick with us. You're going to find something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, until next time, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin, talking like this for some reason. Cool. Cool. Bye. (laughs) On this episode, we discuss breaking news in Yuba County. The only comedy movie that dares to shoot the moon by having zero laughs in it, thus making it the funniest comedy movie ever made. I, no, let's do another one. Raves Aaron Sorkin. Here, I, I, Dan's going to be like, I laughed twice. We can't say that journalistically. So let's do another one. I, I, I chuckled a couple times. Okay. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.